One of the most difficult conversations you can have is about race and relationships. I love the way that Isabel Wilkerson framed in her book called Cast, the simple principle that we are, as Americans, one big house. And whatever part of the world you're in, your country is one big house. The question is, you may not have built the house you're in. You weren't there when it was first constructed, but now you're responsible for it because it was left to you. And as part of the people who've inherited whatever was given to you, it's your responsibility and my responsibility to make it better. So if there's creaky floors, leaky roofs, we're in this together. And I want to show you in the Bible how we are called to fix it, respond to the things that we've inherited that are not good. I also want to give you some verses about the power of inheritance. You know, we're not going to just be the last people on the planet. I believe there are people that are going to come after me. When I see my grandchildren, I can tell. Oh, they're about to take over already, by the way. But stay with me. Enjoy the study. It's going to take you to a good place, help you see how important it is for you to pass something that's healthy to those in the next generation in your life. Stay right there. Welcome back. This is Pastor Rick. Glad you're here. Listen, I want to take you on a journey today to talk about something that we need to think about a lot, which is inheritance. What happens with our home? The sermon's title is called Facing Our Inherited Condition. Facing Our Inherited Condition. Now, again, let me just say for those of you that are new, that if you want to get a copy of the sermon notes you see there on the screen, you can get a copy. They're really cool to have. It has additional notes that might be a blessing to you, so feel free to use that tool and take your camera out, click it, get a copy of the notes, or you can simply go online and get them that way. I am convinced that what I do impacts my children, my grandchildren. It will impact my future. It's hard for people sometimes to see the future. It's hard for them to think about what will happen in five years, 10 years, 15 years. It's hard for them to process that. We often can just only see in our generation, our life, our time, when in reality is a whole lot more to it than that. It's a lot more to think about that. And, and I want to say, if you're not careful, you'll get too blocked into now, too locked into, blocked into now, and you can't see past now. In the Bible, there is a big description, which we're going to look at in a minute. As a matter of fact, I may just jump ahead for a moment because I want to read a verse to you. It's in the book of Proverbs. It's, um, I believe it is, yes, yeah, Proverbs 13 and 22. And it says this, it says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. That a, a, a good person, a wise person, leaves an inheritance for their children. This is not just about money, by the way, or, or a property. This is more than that, even though those things are important. This is about the essence of what you leave them, the values, the interpretation of life, their way of thinking. And it's really about you understanding the role you play. There's a, a role that I play, and if I can see it the way Isabel uh, Wilkerson put it in her book on cast, she said that we have this um, house that we're building, and specifically talking about the American house. And here's what she said. Let me read it for you again. America is an old house. We can never declare the work over. Wind, flood, drought, and human upheavals batter a structure that is already fighting 
whatever flaws were left unattended in the original foundation. When you live in an old house, you may not want to go into the basement after a storm to see what the rains have wrought. Choose not to look, however, at your own peril. The owner of an old house knows that whatever you're ignoring will never go away. Whatever is lurking will fester whether you choose to look at it or not. Ignorance is no protection from the consequences of inaction. Whatever you're wishing away will gnaw at you until you gather the courage to face what you would rather not see. Wow. The flaws, the unattended flaws, the creaky floors, the leaky roof. Choosing not to look at it, she said, is, is, is no protection. It's not going to go away because this is your house. When we, whenever we leave our kids, the values we leave them, the money we leave them, the, how, the, the physical properties we leave them, the um, approach to leadership that we leave them affects us. If I can just take a little side step here and say, what you're seeing in our school systems is part of a house we left this generation with. The way they respond to leadership, the way they respond to education, the lack of interest for some, not all. All that's part of the flaw. And it's something that kind of lurks back there. And if you're not careful, uh, you can't wish it away, she said. You can't just pray it away. We always think of the verse in the scripture I just read in Proverbs in, in the context of money, but that's not what really affects your kids the most. What affects them the most is the, the way you define life for them and the way that that life translates into pain and dysfunction because they weren't trained properly. I, uh, I want to ask some questions. I mentioned these questions in our last time together, and I want you to kind of think them through with me. Because in our study for the, the series, we've looked at our true condition, whatever our true condition is. I, I challenge you to look at it, face it, look at the condition of your life. In order for you to get to where you want to be, if you want to do the things you want to do in life, you have to face the truth about your true condition. Then secondly, I talked to you about how people need to come in your life to help you see it. People help you help reveal to you where you really are. You are five friends short of getting to God's best for your life. You're one friend, one, one mentor short. You've not allowed anybody in to mentor you. And because you won't, you'll never get to God's best for your life. You'll never accomplish some of the things you want to accomplish. Somebody said something to me today that was just absolutely profound. He, he talked about having generational poverty, that you relationship poverty. And he said, basically, you don't have enough people in your life with enough wealth and information to help you be better. Oh, man. You, you don't know. Peter couldn't get, in Acts chapter 10, the study we've been doing for the last few weeks, couldn't get to the place he needed to be without Cornelius. And Cornelius couldn't get there without Peter. The poverty sometimes in our, in our relationships, we have friends that don't have any ability to contribute to our economic advancement or our moral advancement. They're, they're, they're morally and, 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 and financially, uh, I hate to use the word bankrupt, but they are. They're, 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 they don't have it. And they're not bad people. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just simply saying they don't have it. 
Some of you want to get with your father or you want to get with somebody. He didn't have it. He just, he couldn't give you that kind of wisdom. He didn't, he didn't have it. He didn't have it. When it came to knowing what to tell you or how to advise you, he didn't know how to advise you. He barely could make it himself. And so there are times in life when you have to realize that my problem is the people around me, the people that I, they don't have what I need. And I've got to, I've got to change my environment, up my game in order to get to where I want to be. Ah, that's hard sometimes. And then you try to take people with you. You can't take them with you. You have to go alone. And sometimes that's hard. Then we talked about the importance of distance in our study. We talked about how you have to travel a distance. And Peter had to go over 30 miles from Joppa to Caesarea in order for him to get what God had for him. It's not around the corner. It's not in the other room. It's down the road a bit. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to travel through things, travel to things, you're not going to get there. And I talked about traveling through philosophies, your way of thinking. It works for you, but it doesn't help in your life condition. You have to travel through certain philosophies, certain viewpoints in order to get to a certain place. Then today we talk about traveling, um, not only to see the distance, but facing our inherited condition, facing the truth about our inheritance. So tell me, uh, if you could, back up the, your, you know, a little bit here and tell me what's the true condition of the life that was passed to your inheritance. Now, if you can put this in the context of a house like she did in this, in this quote, you can see, she said, America's a house that was passed down to us and it had flaws that were unattended. We call that in business uh, deferred maintenance, stuff that was left for you, deferred, put off. The air conditioning unit's not working, uh, we'll get it fixed later. We know that the dishwasher's not working, we'll just get it fixed later. Before you know it, the floors are creaking out, we'll fix them later. The roof is leaking out, we'll put a bucket out and let it go, let the bucket catch the water. It only rains every now and then. You can take that attitude and you see this in your churches. You go in churches, sometimes they're restrooms or you go in there and you can see a lot of deferred maintenance. Carpet's wrinkly, everything's all messed up because we put it off as a group. Our group has a lot of deferred maintenance. Our homes have a lot of deferred maintenance. The screen, the screen door is, is, is broken. The ground is not cut. The trees are growing up everywhere. I know I'm not gonna keep talking about you, but I'm just saying that's called deferred maintenance. And deferred maintenance grows. It doesn't go away. And if anything, it gets worse. I want to say, if you look at the way we are creating the generations, we are passing down broken inheritances to our children, broken values. That's why I think crime's up, by the way. I do. It's not just the police. I know they can do a little bit. But Bubba Louie shot cool breeze. They know each other. Police don't know them. They're friends. They're cousins. They're, they, they, were, they inherited a propensity to violence, poverty, economic uh, disempowerment. They're, they're broken people. And, and mom and daddy wasn't there. Granddaddy wasn't there. Maybe they were there the best they could. I get this, okay? I'm not blaming all this on you because uh, I, I want to be clear about something. God was good God and a good father, but his, Adam and Eve made a decision. You can be a great parent and your kids can make decisions you had nothing to do with. And in this, in this, in this story, I want you to think about with, with me. Peter understood the power of what he was passing down in Acts chapter 10. And in Proverbs, the, the same thing is being said. There's a power in what you leave. A wise person leaves an inheritance for his kids. My question for you today is what kind are you leaving? In the book of Acts that we've been studying, 
God's goal with Peter was to say, look, we need to break this. It's unjust. This unjust attitude toward Gentiles is not fair. It's not right. We need to fix this. And so there's that, this is that moment of transition. So if you think about it this way, I'm going to leave something to my family. Am I going to leave a prejudice towards women? Am I going to leave an attitude towards people who don't agree with me, but I'm in the world with? We're all in the same house. We're in the world together. You know, we all here. Same house, America. So we have to find a way to get along with white people, Asian people, black people. You ready? Gay people, straight people. I know. Hang with me. Don't get lost. You, you're all in the same house. I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to participate in what you do. I don't have to, I, but I do understand that I'm in the same house with you. We're in the same country. And there's a way we got to find to get along. And if we don't find that way, then we end up fighting each other and we lose out. And the house gets more creaks, more breaks in it, more flaws in it, and no one's listening. Everybody's got their own view. And so it begins to fall apart. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about your current home. I asked you last time we were together, what are you going to leave to your family? What's the current condition of your house right now? If you left it to your kids today, what would they have to fix? I ask you about your cash. How much cash do you have? How much Would they have enough to bury you? What about your debt level? Is it extremely high? What would be, what would be the, what, what's the truth about your debt? I, those are questions that I want you to think about. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about yourself and ask your, am I, am I, am I hearing? Am I clear about what I'm leaving? Now I'm going to close with four closing thoughts about the power of an inheritance. One is what I already read to you, and it's in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. There's wisdom in leaving a good inheritance. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Bottom line is, you need to see the value of it. I, I think about what I'm leaving them. And again, it's not just money. It's values and examples, integrity. It's hard work, good spirit. Secondly, I want you to think about the wisdom of following God with your whole heart and how that impacts your inheritance. There's a statement made by Joshua in chapter 14, verse 9. I love of his book. I love this. He says, on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet has, have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children's children. I love that. And that of your children forever, rather, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to leave a great inheritance to your kids, leave that kind of example. Wholehearted devotion. Not half-hearted. You're all in. You're not drunk on Friday and then trying to go to church on Sunday. You are a wholehearted person. You're committed to God. You're integrous. You're honest. You're honest every day of your life. That's what Joshua said was an important thing to leave. The wisdom of following God with your whole heart. Let that be part of your inheritance. Number three, I'll talk about the faith, the inheritance you, you can't con conceive. I believe that God has an inheritance plan that's beyond what you can see. I'm going to read two verses to you that basically say somewhat the same thing. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He said, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human 
mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I want you to go to the next verse here in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 64. And this, this verse is quoted in the New Testament was from this verse in, in, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 64, 4. He says, since the ancient times, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, nor eye has seen any God besides you who acts on the behalf of those who wait for him. First of all, he talks about the inheritance um, that you can't conceive. There's an inheritance you can't conceive. Now, these are four closing thoughts about the power of inheritance. Number one, the wisdom of leaving a good inheritance. Number two, the wisdom of following God with your whole heart and making that a part of your inheritance that you leave to your kids. And now I want to say this, the inheritance you can't conceive. I want you to think about the fact that there's inheritance he says you can't conceive. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, the things God has prepared for those who love him. There is a, there is a abundantly above potential for you that you can't conceive of. And then lastly, I want to talk about the inheritance that is unique to the faithful. Faithful people get stuff that other people don't get. Isaiah 64 and 4 says, who acts on the behalf of those who wait for him. God acts on the behalf. Since we, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Now, I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear me. There's nothing like being clear that God acts on the behalf of faithful people in ways that's different. God responds to things because we respond to him. If you're clear, if you're open in your heart, if you're a person who's faithful to God wholeheartedly, I believe you have an elevated level of opportunity because of your faithfulness, because of your determination, God responds. Your response is important. Your faithfulness to God is important. You need to be clear about that. I do not think I would be where I am today if I had not been faithful. And I believe for me, I am struggling every day to remember this because it, it, life gets out of, out of the way. Before you know it, life's out of the way. Before li life's out of the way, you're out of the way and you start flying into behaviors that hurt you. But, but I believe if we as a, as a nation, if I as a man, if I as a pastor, if I as a, as, as a human being, remember that God's called me to be an uh, inheritance example to those who follow, the whole world will change. America is a home that, we're, that we were all left to inherit. God has truly blessed us in our American home. We have a tough, we have a tough history, but a great potential. May we, may we together, and this is important, embrace the truth about our journey and work on building a better inheritance for our children and our future. Now, I want to say this to you. It's really important for all of us to get it. It's important. I understand you want to separate yourself from what, our history and from what happened. As a matter of fact, there's this whole movement now. You don't want to say anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. Don't want to say anything make anybody feel guilty. I'm sorry. You can't tell anybody's, anybody's family history. You can't go back in anybody's family history and not find something that's not painful, that makes somebody feel uncomfortable. But the truth, the Bible says, sets you free. It's how you tell the truth. 
you notice how I always say it, we've had a tough history, but we have a great potential. We have, we've gone through some, slavery was a tough history. Jim Crow was tough. It's hard, difficult. But not just that, the way women were treated, the way children were treated, the way Asians were treated, the way poor people were treated, white or black, the way that people who are Irish were treated. It's not always easy. And if in our present day, if we're not careful, every Russian's treated a certain way. Every Iranian's treated a certain way. If we're not careful, if we're not careful. Everybody who's gay or straight, depending on what you feel, what your view is, I have a view that's different. I have a strong conservative view, but I must love everybody. I don't get a chance to, I don't get a chance to mistreat people because they don't agree with my view. I don't need to pass that thinking down through the generations. If you're not careful, your religious zeal is passed down, but it's selfish. It's one, it's one dimensional. So let me, let me close with a thought. If we stay on this road together, divided politics, divided over trivial issues, <laughs> wasting hours of time, in the news, talking about each other. What is that to leave your children? What is that to leave our children? What kind of inheritance is that? Disrespect for teachers, disrespect for law enforcement. I'm not, hey, look, law enforcement has its own journey. And I agree, I think there's issues that were passed down in the culture of our law enforcement that weren't healthy, that has to be addressed. But let's just understand, we're all in the same house. You, you, can't, you can't stand outside this house and talk about it like you don't live here. Because when you finish yelling, you got to go back inside. This is our house. This is our world, our environment. Our environment. We're creating our own storms, creating our own crisis, creating our own water shortages, creating our own, our own, our own. There, there are parts of this country that are fighting over water in the West right now. So what do you do about that? How do, you, how do you process this kind of difficulty? What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You realize that we are in one house and we've got to fight together. I hope you got that. I hope you heard that. Next time we come together, I want to take another turn. I want to, I want to switch gears. And we've talked about being trapped in the wrong places too long in our first study of this year. Then we talked about being trapped in injustice and how racial bias and insensitivity, gender bias and insensitivity is something we don't want to pass to our kids and how it traps us. Now I want to talk about a bigger trap, one that we all can relate to, financial traps. I want to spend the next four weeks talking to you about a financial trap that I think hurts all of us. And there are four parts to this next study that I don't want you to miss. Each part of it is going to be impactful. There's a, there's a book I'm, I'm going to tell you about called The Psychology of Money. And in this study, I'm going to unleash for you some simple principles. Now, this is a powerful, simple uh, study that's not designed to be complicated at all. Uh, this is not a fundraising uh, series. Even though I believe in giving and understand the power of that, and then maybe one day I'll come back and talk to you about 
the shame of not participating financially and not being in the volunteer force in some way, help in some way, pray at least, do something. Don't just watch. But this is not, this series is not about that. This series is about how easy it is to be trapped in a wicked system of financial bondage. And I want to say to you, it is wicked. And some of you are in it. So let me give you the four titles you can look forward to. Number one, we're going to talk about trapped by unnecessary obligations. Trapped by unnecessary obligations. How much are you obligated that you were never supposed to be obligated? It's really easy, if you're not careful, to be trapped in, in obligations that are designed to trap you and tie you up. Secondly, we want to talk about being trapped by naive assumptions. You can be naive about certain things and you never were supposed to be. Thirdly, we're going to talk about trapped by uncontrolled debt, how debt can control you. And then lastly, we want to talk about trapped by financial isolation. So let me just say this to you. If you're not careful, you'll be trapped by na naive assumptions, which is very, very easy because you make all of these thoughts and ideas and make up stuff in your mind. And you just think, and you know how you can tell you've been naive? Look at your results. Did you reach the goals you set? Then we'll talk about, as I said, naive, uh, the, not the, un, the trap bound control debt, rather. Uh, it's hard to get that out because, boy, when you get into debt, you just get tied, tongue get all tied up. <laughs> it's like your life. It's all tied up. It's all out of control. And I love a line in the book that he talks about. Your goal should be to be the kind of person who's not easily broken. What number breaks you financially? I'm going to share with you some financial numbers I shared in our study last month on our Wednesday night study about how much money people have, how much cash they have, how much resources they have. It's a great study. Then lastly, we'll talk about financial isolation. And again, let me say this about that financial isolation piece. One of the, one of the things that happens when you're financially isolated is you don't, you don't have, if you don't have the right people around you, you can't get out of it. Your environment is poor. Your advisors are poor. You, you are in an impoverished area where there's not much wisdom. And one of the tragedies is, therefore, you can't get the wisdom you need to be free. That's our next study. And I'm telling you right now, I believe with all of my heart, if you want to do things, if you want to get to places you, want to, you plan to get to in your life, you, you've got to stop being trapped in the wrong places. You've got to make sure that you stop allowing injustice and things to travel through your family tree. You've got to fix what's wrong, the broken house that you have. You've got to fix the leaks. If you get trapped in an unjust place, you can't get past it. And I'm going to say in our country, we're seeing it. We're talking about it. We're complaining about it. But we're not, we, have, we have to fix the leaks where there is injustice, where there's been unfairness. We have to say we can't go back and fix all the past, but we can fix what do we see now that we have control over. And that's the key thing. And then lastly, today, I want you to get ready for this part. We're going to talk about being trapped financially. You can't save. You don't save when you get paid. You spend every dime you have. And you're paying out money to all these people who are professional hijackers of your resources. And I'll tell you what, I understand. I've been in debt. I understand the challenges of it. I understand the challenges of owing millions of dollars. I understand the challenge, the blessedness of paying, paying it off and seeing God free you from the control that debt puts on your life. I understand that I've made mistakes and I'm going to share them. I'm not going to hide from them. And I want to say to you right now, 
there is a key to this that can change your life. I just did a series that will give you a jump start if you're kind of curious. It's called The Challenge of Dealing with Mr. Money. And I'll put it up on the screen for you and I'll have our staff. You can go and kind of sample. It's a Wednesday night Bible study. Q&A dialogue is really powerful. If you want to listen to that, you can to kind of get you jump started. But we're going to have that series uh, that you can get plus the new one I'm about to do that's going to be really impactful for your life. My time is up. I thank you for being with me for these few minutes. I pray that it inspired you to think about where you are. And I pray that God will help you find a peace in your life. Injustice is something we must face. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those who have been victims of injustice, whether they be, Lord God, that poor farmer out there trying to get his farm uh, supplies done right, but he feels that the taxes and the laws have worked against him. The business guy who's tried to pay his staff fairly, but the, the way the system works, he's struggling just to make ends meet. Or the mama who's a single parent at home, or the black woman who's struggling, or the black man who's struggling, or the poor white guy who's struggling. Lord God, the, the poor person who's from whatever country who's trying to get citizenship. We pray, God, we care about all of that. Injustice can reach all people, and we need to be fair and fix the house we all live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate you giving me your time. It really means a lot. And let me just say this to you. If you're here and you've never gave your life to Christ, you've been thinking about it for a while, you've been talking about it, let me pray a final prayer for you. Father, let this be a moment that they would pray this prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Let this be the moment when my life changes direction. I need you in my life. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I want to be a forgiven person who passes that to my children, who models for them serving Christ. Let this moment be one that is the beginning of a new life for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. You know, it is true that it is a blessing to leave inheritance to those who are in your family. And the Bible said a wise man does that. We looked at that today in our study. But I want to challenge you today to think about what you're doing. Are you willing to band together and fix what's broken, fix the leaky roof, fix the creaky floors, make things better? Blacks, whites, Asians, small, tall, great, rich, wealthy, doesn't matter. We're in this together. We have had a tough pass. We've had a painful pass with a lot of injustice in it. And in this series, my goal was to say, we need to make sure we're not trapped by that injustice. Whatever went wrong for women doesn't have to go wrong for them today. Whatever went wrong for blacks, whites, Asians, whatever went wrong in our past, the wrongs that were done to each other, the wrongs we did to each other, the wrongs that were done to us as black people, the wrongs that were done to you as women, men, poor, doesn't matter what class you're in. And let me just say this to you, wrong was done to everybody. Everybody has a story, but our story is our house story. And that, my friend, is what I want to pray about. I pray this message helped you see that. And I hope you want to band together to fix it. We can't ignore it. We can't pretend it didn't happen. It happened. But we can have a brighter future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for all that we've studied. May it bless us and inspire us to be a blessing and to build a future together. In Jesus' name, amen. If the message blessed you, Lincoln, send it to a friend. I hope you go out and build a better house, fix the house you're in, make things better. We're in this together. God bless you. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time as we come to On Demand and study the word together. Bye-bye.